Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. Hey there, my name's Alyssa Human. I am... Oh, man, there's kind of a couple of ways to go about it. I'm a green witch, and I'm a certified herbalist, and I am an Enneagram 8. (laughs) Uh, My pronouns are she, her, and I live in Portland, where we pretty much get to make as much magic as we want. (laughs) I love that so much, and I'm so excited to be talking to you. I feel like you're my friend from the internet that, like, if we lived in the same place, like, we would be chilling all the time. Yeah. Um, So... But, but I, like, what's so crazy about internet friends is that I don't know that much about, like, your life before now. Um, yeah. F- well, maybe you can start out by telling us a little bit about how you discovered your Enneagram number. How did you find it out? What was, like, kind of that moment of discovery, or was it, like, a gradual thing? Yeah. So, it's actually a really funny story. Of course, I heard about the Enneagram through like a big church when we moved into town and I was still trying to like make the church thing work for me and it doesn't. Um, but when, when I took the test, of course I tested as a two because I grew up as a Christian woman. <laughs> so <laughs> Didn't we all? I was like, I read, I, I took the test cause we were supposed to as like a part of like, what are your strengths and weaknesses and how do you work well with this group? And I, <laughs> I took the test and I I had had a couple glasses of wine because I like hated this group. (laughs) I hated this group so much, but I like was trying so hard to make it work. You know, like I was like, maybe I'm just bad and I need to get over myself. No, I read the, (laughs) I took the test. Just get more sanctified, Alyssa, obviously. No, I tried so hard, but I had had a couple (laughs) glasses of wine, took the test. And then I read the description of a two and I was like, this some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this for me. I was like, this is not true. I was like, I am the least helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I go out of my way to not help people. Exactly. And we were (laughs) laughing so hard. And then, so when we met up with the small group again, they were like, oh, well, sometimes the test doesn't work. You should just read up on the different uh, numbers and then see what resonates with you the most. And I resonated the most with fives. Uh, So I like clung to that like pretty hard like okay I'm just weird because I analyze everything and that's just my lot in life I'm gonna be an outsider forever like all of these very sad five feelings oh interesting okay yeah and uh, it's true I was very calculative at the time and I'm, I'm an eight so like I was like deeply disintegrated for such a long time that it wasn't until I did my my sessions with Jamie Lee Finch where we started talking a little bit about like um what does your like inner child sound like and then mm. or like how did like where did you fit in your family and in your friend groups and so I'm like describing how I kind of like I was mother hen and I uh was always the person that's like don't you dare touch my friends. I will end you. <laughs> and <laughs> Jamie was like, hey, so I'm pretty sure you're an eight. She's like, I'm not going to tell you what you are because obviously you know what you are. But she's like, I'm speaking very from eight-y. personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then your book, 
uh, had just come out. Like I had just received mine in the mail. So um, I was, well, not in the mail. I went and got it from Powell's. And uh, I was like, okay, maybe I maybe I am an eight. Let me go read it. And it wasn't until like I read the story about um, your, I don't know if it was your friend or your sister that like chased the landlord and was like, how dare you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, my former roommate. Yeah, and I was just like, that's me. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Yeah, so that was uh, kind of fun because it, ga- it gave me like this new avenue of self, um, self, I don't know, like just journeying into who I am really. Because like when I'm like calculative and kind of scared, it's always because I'm not feeling confident in myself because in mm. my safer environments, I am boisterous and a lot. I'm just a lot. <laughs> So, yeah, it was really interesting. And that kind of unfolded. um, Oh, man, it wasn't that long ago because we lived in this house. So that must have been last spring. I've only known my true number since last spring. That's literally so exciting. And I feel like the um, like coming out of authoritarian systems, it seems like women who are eight tend to they either get like found out early and so they're just at constant war with that authoritarian system or there is that like if they can be repressed into that disintegrated space then they can almost like fly under the radar of respectability a little bit um Mm -hmm. so it's always interesting to kind of hear what the origin story is for women who are eights kind of coming out of those oppressive systems and being like, oh shit, like I can breathe now. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. What was that, what was that kind of like, and how is it for you now? Like as you're exploring your identity and like sort of like claiming your space as an eight, what does that feel like? Oh man. Yeah. So I remember talking to Jamie about this just like I felt so um, like literally expansive. Um, Mm, I love that word. Yeah. Like I had been um, almost like squished. Like I had to take up as like small amount of space as humanly possible for such a long time. And then even as I was leaving like the church and like drawing boundaries with my family and stuff like that, I still maintained that smallness and until like until I was able to look at how that doesn't serve anybody you know like it's not keeping anybody safe so it was um was interesting because like growing up (laughs) so I'm about to list a lot of really funny things (laughs) in a row hit me with it talk about like being small but um I grew up in a like a mixed household not like not like with race but like with um my stepdad had a daughter with his first marriage and then my mom had me from her first marriage so it was kind of two families coming together um and then my stepdad was in the military we're filipino and then we became evangelical christian so we're like three very different very authoritarian systems military asian and christian all kind of oh my god existing in my growing up space and it was just 
a fucking lot for someone like me. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot for everyone. I but, can't imagine. Mm-hmm. I truly can't imagine. Yeah, it was rough. But like, like how you were talking about um, women who are eights kind of flying under the radar, radar, like in all of my spaces at home and then also in church and well, those are my only two spaces growing up, really. was uh, We were at home, we were at church. Uh, my leadership ability was almost capitalized upon until it pissed off a man. Ah! And then it was a real big problem. Ain't that the fucking truth? Mm-hmm. So, like, my stepdad, my stepdad would be so proud of me for leading the youth in whatever or bringing someone to youth group and they got saved or whatever all those really gross things but if i ever um if one of the younger girls ever came to me for counsel instead of going to a quote-unquote adult in leadership i would just get completely like torn a new one like you're not their mom you're not an adult even when i was an adult so like (laughs) you're it's the blind leading the blind Alyssa. you know those types of things even if someone came to me and I didn't go to them. So I think that, like, because I had so many of those situations happen where they wanted me to be a leader but wanted me to be a child, I became this kind of, like, um, I keep saying the word calculative, and I'm, I'm sure that that's going to get, an, like, annoying throughout the entire <laughs> thing, but that's what I was. I was like, okay, like... I need to figure out who I am and how I fit in every single situation so I don't piss anybody off so that I can survive, you know? And that's, like, really, it's, like, binding your feet almost. How did you feel when, for whatever reason, your leadership qualities did threaten a man when you were younger? Like, did you feel bad? Did you feel like, oh, shit, that wasn't part of my plan? Like, what was, did you feel shame? Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was usually, like, at first, and this happened, like, this happened a lot growing up, like, in my own house until I just, whatever. And then in, like, public settings, because it was never handled well, you know, it was always someone blew up or someone pulled me to the side right away, you know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Right. Um, It was it was always like initial fear. Like I didn't do anything. Like what was I like? What did I do? I didn't do anything, <laughs> you know. Like, and then f- followed up by, oh, I'm bad. Then, like, if I was supposed, like, if I've overstepped authority, then I'm just bad because I can't control myself or whatever. Like, right? Yeah, and like. It was brought to my attention a couple of times, like, in youth group, where, like, people said that I had, like, a savior complex or something, where I always, like, befriended the most emo (laughs) kid or whatever and, like, made them my friend. And I'm like, listen, we are all the most emo kid in here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so it just made me feel so much, like... um. My intentions were so good. I was trying to help, but I guess I'm bad. So I guess I'm not going to say anything anymore. And that kind of like, it goes back even to like, um, it's just carved into my brain. Like I, like my stepdad yelled at me for something and my mom was just like, why do you fight him all the time? Oh, like 
shit one what the fuck kind of thing is that to say to your daughter but like why do you fight him all the time that just like that just became my inner voice of like okay well i guess i can just like make sure things are clean and do my best and never fight for Mm. myself or other people unless it's just like that inner confusion of like what's happening right now is so fucked up like okay so perfect example um it was the week of my wedding, right? And um, my parents were still living overseas. So, like, oh, that's another thing that I forgot to mention. So, my dad was in the mil- my stepdad was in the military, and we lived overseas. So it was a very, very small community. Ooh, like we lived on an air force base in Europe. So it was that close community, and then even smaller than that was our church community. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was weird. <laughs> it was. A world within a world within a world. But anyway, like, so when me and my husband um, were about to get married, um, I had been expressing myself more often because I hadn't been living at home. So I was I was getting used to hearing my own voice say that's fucked up or that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, and I and I'd forgotten the quote-unquote protocol like I forgot the why do you even fight him Mm. thing so there was a point where there was a point where my stepdad picked on my sister who was I think 19 at the time still living at home and I was like can we just not pick on her today and it was the end of the motherfucking universe oh my god they almost didn't come to my wedding oh my god they almost didn't come to my wedding yeah wow yeah it was a lot and like that to me says it, that it wasn't all, just all because about that I moment. spoke up for someone. Right, right. Oh my god. Oh yeah. That's crazy. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. And I'm working through it, obviously, but I think that it was um that was a really pivotal point of like I'm not gonna let people get picked on mm. because I'm afraid to speak up for them, you know? So like <laughs> my my husband always jokes around about like how um he like jokes around and calls me lady justice you know things like that because <laughs> i like i'm an asshole but it's only to people who are assholes i'm a vigilante he's vigilante you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god i love that oh it's just and i've come to embrace that about myself so much like um someone on the internet is someone on twitter and it's a mutual of ours I think it might be your girlfriend. She's, uh, is it her that says my muchness is a gift? That was actually a quote from Jamie Lee Finch that got into Millenniagram. I was like, Jamie, you're getting credit, but can it please go in the book? And oh, right. yeah. So that's a, we, we can, we can blame JLF for that one. <laughs> yeah. But that resonated with me so deep. Like, it wasn't until, like, after I had my first kid that I even thought that you're a lot could mean something positive. Mm. That's a really good way to put it because I know that it's something, I mean, it's consistently something that comes up for my girlfriend who is an eight of just she what's constantly reflected back to her and maybe not by her closest loved ones, but by the world around her that she's a lot and that that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like that that 
internal reframing is so crucial if you're going to like be able to thrive in your life yeah and like that was always something that um like I'd never been around a healthy relationship before you know so like my mom's a lot my mom's a whole lot um (laughs) but she doesn't get to celebrate her muchness you know because my stepdad is incredibly boisterous and um insanely immature so like he gets to make fart jokes and she just has to like laugh and he's like (laughs) it's just a lot but I like that's something that like really hit me as I've kind of gone on this journey to like honor my voice and speak and then like also learning some tact because like obviously whenever you start to talk more you have to figure out (laughs) when to talk and when not to talk am I right (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) once you open the floodgates there's kind of no closing them you know i know just gotta make sure it's going in the right direction but like i (laughs) i've said to my sister who um is a lot quieter than i am but she's also finding her voice i was like man you know what um mom is a completely different person when romeo's not around and she's like, yeah, she's really funny. Mom's hilarious. And she's got great taste in music. <laughs> that's something that like hit me so deep because like I have um, I have a daughter and I'm pregnant with an, like another girl. And like I'm thinking I want my kids to know who I really am. You know, like I don't want them to think like, oh, yeah, mom's only cool when she's not around X, Y, Z. You know, like I don't want them to feel like totally I'm contorting myself in any way yeah it's just a strange dynamic of like wanting to be yourself not just for you but for others it's weird Ooh, yeah and I think that's something that eights at all of the eights that I have observed who are like moving in a healthy direction with their lives um they I think really set an example for how to live wholeheartedly as yourself, like how to show up, which I think um, I was reading Glennon Doyle's new book this week, and she was talking about um, integrity is when your outside self matches your inside self. And I was like, oh, damn, that is so good. And that's something that eights, I think, demonstrates so well for me as somebody who has really had difficulty kind of merging those two experiences. Yeah. Oh, that hit so hard. But yeah, for sure. Right? That integrity, that's such a good way to put it because I was always taught that integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. So like having having right. those two things comparing is blowing my mind right now. But yeah, like that whole internal world. It's interesting to think about like we always were taught and I'm sure this was something that you experienced in your like religious upbringing that integrity meant being good. But Mm -hmm. integrity really means being true, like Mm -hmm. being true to yourself, being true to your values, being true to the person that you want to show up as in the world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Being true. Oh. That's so good. There's this obsession in religious cultures, but specifically within like the sect of 
um, Pentecostalism that I was a part of. Like we were, we were um, ministry to the military, which is like a tiny little sliver of the Church of God. So it's just very um, like miracles and tongues and prophecies and all this kind of stuff. Like there was such a um, a focus on being good so that you can get the gifts, which is disgusting. <gasps> right. Um, <laughs> but it was just disgusting. But like there wasn't so much focus on being true because like I could look at my peers at quote unquote Bible college and go, you're just saying syllables. That's not tongues. You know, like <laughs> you're or, making noises. Yes. Or like that is the most generic ass prophecy I've ever heard. You made that up off the top of your head. God did not tell you that. <laughs> Which is why I didn't really like hang out a lot um, when I was at Bible college. But like there's like this whole, yeah, focusing on being true rather than being good. That's serious. We should put that in like a parenting book or something because that's good shit. <laughs> I love that. Inner parenting book. <laughs> Inner parenting book. Oh, my God. It's happening. <laughs> um, so tell us more, like, kind of the story of your childhood, um, how Alyssa became Alyssa. Like, um, I want to hear more of your experience in that, like, very interesting and very small sector of the Church of God. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Okay. So I, as I'm sure a lot of people who grew up with like um, missionary or pastor parents, like you spend all of your time at the church. Oh God. All of it. Yes. I'm I'm talking like Monday was prayer. Tuesday was uh, some sort of like benevolence distribution. Wednesday was um, like I babysat like 50 kids so that the men and women could have their groups. Thursday was band practice. Friday was youth group. Saturday was some sort of youth function. And then Sunday was Sunday. So I was there literally every oh my single day. Like God. I would, you really meant every yeah, day. It, yeah, I did. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and there was this like, um, that obsession with work obviously. So like, um, I ran the coffee shop on Sunday mornings, like, so I, we would get there for worship practice because I was on the, I was a part of the band. So we'd like go set up the chairs, practice, and then I would run the coffee shop like an hour before church. Then we would like obviously lead worship and then have service. Sometimes I would be with the kids in the back and sometimes I would be in, but I was like supposed to take notes just in case any of the youth didn't take notes so that I would have them. And then like, I would open the coffee bar again after church and then I would clean everything up and we would, it, my Sunday was gone. It was insane. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, and then we would go eat with like people from the church. Did you, as a young person, like, did you enjoy that life? Did it feel um, like it was as binding as it really was? Or do you feel like you were kind yeah. of indoctrinated? I I feel like I definitely didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was definitely tired. Yeah. Um, but that meant that if we were at church, we weren't at home where we could get yelled at. So, <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> I could 
uh, breathe a little bit, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but, like, I definitely, like, wanted to go do normal ass things. Like, I remember when I turned 16, I just, like, cried my fucking eyes out. And my mom was like, why are you crying so hard? I'm like, I will never get to just, like, go to the mall with my boyfriend. Oh. And my mom was like, what boyfriend? What mall? (laughs) I just, like, wanted to do normal fucking things. Like, I will never just, like, like, I was crying to my sister. Oh, my God, this is hilarious. I have to tell this story. So when um, my husband now, he was just, like, my big crush in high school. Um, When Dalton got his uh, first, like, car, he fixed up an old muscle car i like slammed my forehead on my laptop because i saw it on facebook ah! and my sister's like what is ha- what is happening to you i was like why isn't dalton my boyfriend oh my god like, why it's like why don't i get normal things <laughs> i don't get normal things i don't get nice boyfriends i don't get muscle cars Aww. i don't get to go to high school like it's so it cute. I can't stand it. <laughs> it's so true though. But like, yeah, so we have to we have to hear the the Dalton story then. Like, if he was your high school crush, like I I have to know how you guys ended up together. Oh my god. Okay, so this actually ties in perfectly because uh, on top of being at church all day every day, um we did like ministry conferences and shit uh during our quote-unquote free time so like during fall during like fall break for school we would go to this like big conference and in the summers we had summer camp and then um like at summer camp we weren't just like campers we had to serve there too because we were on like the uh the drama team and the cleanup teams and we were peer group leaders (laughs) It was just always work. Oh, Jesus Christ. All day, every day. Always work. Um, But Dalton and I met at a purity retreat. (laughs) Ah! The irony is too good. Uh, Yeah. I was 12, and I didn't know anything. And I was terrified by the end of that purity retreat. (laughs) Um, Oh, shit. Was that like... What passed for your sex education? Yeah, dude. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. Chlamydia and demons taking over your body, things like that. Ooh. But, yeah, and then... Ooh, talk dirty to me. (laughs) Oh, sex demons. Anyway, yeah, so... (laughs) I was 12, Dalton was 13, and then... I don't think we, I don't think he spoke to me until the year after, but I just remember thinking he was so cute and then feeling so bad because we were there to be like pure and stuff. But (laughs) you're like, oh no, Lord, I'm lusting at the purity retreat. No, take it away. And like, I didn't know what lusting was. I was 12. I just thought he was cute, you know? Like, of course, of course. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, like, we saw each other at least two or three times a year. But he lived in, uh, well, at one point he lived in another country, but he lived in um, a city about an hour away from me. Um, So we kind of only saw each other at church things. And I was like, he's so godly. I love him so much. (laughs) We are flaming pagans now. But. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love that. Are you a fan of nudes? 
Yes, this is a trick question. Um, I never thought that I would be saying this, but queer Twitter is literally the only place to be. Like, if you're not there, like, what are you doing? Um, and when I was fundraising to try and keep this podcast alive, um, everybody contributed their nudes and what we call lewds and hofos um, to get this show back on the motherfucking road, you feel? So um, if you would like to get in on the fun, um, I'm kind of changing up what the Patreon looks like, but um, I definitely know that you're going to have access to content before everyone else. And number two, um, lots of sexy pictures. They're not up there yet, but we're going to be working on that in the months to come because I couldn't just do that shit the one time. Um, and then honestly, you're going to have like unedited interviews. So you're going to hear the shit that we had to cut um, because it was maybe fascinating and fucking classic and brilliant, but, um, you know, people have short attention spans except for you because you, um, have a bigger brain. That's not science. Um, but please join us on Patreon. Um, if you just search patreon.com slash milleniagram, um, join our posse, $1, $5, like whatever you can do, um, it really keeps our show on the road. The majority of our patrons are one and five dollar donors, and I fucking love that shit because it means that um, capitalism is sucking us all dry, and yet we are doing, you know, giving our widows fucking might to keep alive the things that we love. And I'm grateful to contribute to one of the things that you love. Let's continue writing this story together. Patreon.com slash Milleniagram. Go find it, hun. I want to hear about what led you from literal, like, culty religiosity um, to being a fucking witch. Like, how did we get here? Yes. Okay, so everything is bastardized paganism. There was, like, <laughs> right. Christian numerology that we were being taught. Um, like, this whole idea of, like, seeing auras. Like, okay, so... I'm trying to not say these people's names so that you don't get in trouble on the podcast. But there was a leader, very prominent leader, um, who said that he could see your anointing if he looked at your hands. Oh, my God. So people people literally fucking lined up and let this old ass man touch their hand. Like they knelt in front of him because that's how frail and old he was. (gasps) And like... They got their hands read. What? By. Yes. But it wasn't palm tree. He said that it was the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then um, these people believed in um, like geographical anointing, which is just hilarious because they're all fucking colonizers. Shut up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just all of these things I had always been like lightly interested in like witchcraft things like ever since I was little because like obviously you know like Harry Potter and practical magic and like just like the types of books I liked to read always like were sci-fi fantasy related um so I started to recognize a lot of the themes and it started to get really annoying to me so I remember 
the final straw for me of like, I don't give a shit if I'm going to start skipping class, like I literally don't care, was they tried to get us all to speak in tongues at the same time, like as a warring against some sort of spirit of some sort. So they were like screaming and roaring in tongues. Like these people are pretending they're lions <laughs> and screaming in tongues. And, and I stood in the back and one of the leaders came up to me and like kind of asked me why I wasn't participating. And I was like, doesn't the Bible say that like if you blaspheme the spirit, like you're not going to go to heaven? How are you guys going to confirm that all these people are actually like speaking in tongues? Oh, shit. And then I walked out, and then I walked out, and, like, smoked a cigarette outside. <laughs> what a badass. And so they said that, like, it was, it was like, every morning they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to get together and, like, do war tongues together every morning, which war tongues sounds like a, like a sex tape. No, truly. Sort. Is that an orgy? Because um, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's the name of my punk band. Um war tongues no but like i was just like okay well i'm just gonna like have some time alone there's a like a man-made lake on the property with like two swans on it and i would like go sit out there smoke a couple cigarettes and just like be i guess like i tried so hard to talk to god while i was out there i'm like i don't know man i don't feel any sort of spiritual anything and this is me like talking to god i don't know man (laughs) to a deity um but like (laughs) I was like, I don't feel anything in there. And I was like, and I feel pretty peaceful out here. So I'm sure they're going to think that this is bad, but this feels good to me. So I'm going to like hang out here every morning while they do their war tongues. And I'm going to sit out on this lake (laughs) until I feel like going in. (laughs) And it worked. I mean, I survived. I mean, like I, I survived under the circumstances, but I feel like it was in those moments at the lake smoking cheap cigarettes, looking at the swans, that I started to feel like there was power in nature Mm, for the first mm -hmm. time. Um, And, like, I started to feel powerful in myself, in, like, being alone. So that was cool. And then, like, when I tried to make myself fit into other, like, Christian group settings, it always brought me back to that, like, I just want to go be alone at the lake or whatever mm, you know right so that's i i feel i feel like i kind of got addicted to being alone and feeling that in a spiritual sense um but like witchcraft kind of came almost as a like i don't know so i i i, I joined this group on facebook uh revolving around like the liturgist podcast and um because, like, that's everyone's segue out of Christianity, right? The Liturgist Podcast. <laughs> no, it's true. It's really true. Yeah. They're a gateway drug. Yeah, and, like, bless them. It's true. I know, right? So, I remember listening to a couple of podcasts, and I remember the one where um, uh, Michael talks about names. And that one hit me so hard because I was just like, Wow. Like, I've been letting people name me my whole life. And I started to talk about that on this, like, Facebook group. And then one of the girls reached out to me and was like, hey, so we actually have a pagan group if you want to be added to that. Ah! And then I found out that she lived in my city. And I got invited to my first 
witches circle. <gasps> and those are my people now. Oh my god, I want to go. It's fun. <laughs> Who will invite me to a witch's circle, please? Anyone? <laughs> I bet they have one where you're at. But I'm sure. I'm sure I will find them. Yes. But then um like there's some um like tradition around someone else purchases your first tarot deck. So I was a little like nervous to like talk about how much I wanted to read tarot because I've kind of always felt drawn to tarot. Like um there's a movie with uh the girl who plays Wednesday Adams. What is her name? Oh yeah, Christina Ricci. Yeah. There's a movie that she's in called Now and Then and there's a girl who reads tarot in it and I watched that as a little girl and I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it just like <laughs> stuck with me. I, I would like try to read poker cards and all that kind of stuff. It was great. But um, I got my first tarot deck and fell in love with it. And then I um, we moved into an apartment and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should like burn some sage. I've read somewhere that it's cleansing. <laughs> and it just... <laughs> my curiosity took off from there and that's how I've landed um and so now tell me about like your herbalist work and how you taught yourself to do that oh my god okay so this is another one of those like um the universe called to me kind of things so again when I was trying to like stay Christian I was like okay god in that very um in that very tone, just like, okay, God, like, if you're real, <laughs> like, if you're real, then, like, I want to learn. I don't want to learn about things that are going to serve me. I want to learn about things that are going to serve people. So why don't you talk to me about healing? Like, why don't you, God, talk to me <laughs> about healing? And so I did one of those, like, deep Bible studies, like, in the Greek and in the Hebrew about all of the places in the Bible where the word heal was. And I was like, this ain't it. <laughs> I'm finding nothing in here. <laughs> and we're living in our first apartment, and we had just gotten internet because we were so broke we couldn't afford internet for a while. Um, oh, been there. <laughs> been right? there. So we're like cutter, we're cuddling around the laptop because we didn't have a TV yet, and we were watching um, NBC's Grimm. Do you have you ever seen that show? Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that one. It's fun. It gets ridiculous, but um, anyway, Grimm. Uh, they introduce a character called Rosalie, and she's an herbalist, and. Uh, she's she like pulls some herbs off the shelf and is like smelling it and then she's talking to a customer and I click pause so fast and I look over at Dalton and I was like you think that's a real thing and he goes <gasps> he goes I don't know probably look it up so I pulled up my phone and I googled is herbalist a real job and <laughs> that's how I found my calling and now you're a fucking apothecary and you're healing people's bodies yeah that's incredible yeah and so what I did was I like I was super paranoid because I had just found out that my uh, theology bachelor's was fake okay so I had a complete ass breakdown and I was like I'm just someone's wife oh like I was not okay and obviously that hurt Dalton's feelings but I was like I'm just one of those girls that goes to bible college and gets married I don't have a degree and I don't have a real job I'm working at Starbucks and I had a meltdown right before 
all of this happened. So the um, the meltdown spurred on the whole, well, God, tell me about healing. And then we were watching the show, and that's how I found herbalism. And um, we, we actually became, like, kind of gung-ho for the show. And that's how we found out that we wanted to live in Portland. So that show. Shut up! For real. Like, we, for one of uh, Dalton's birthdays, I did a grim scavenger hunt. And we went to a bunch of the places where... It was shot, and we actually lived down the street from one of the places. What is happening? Why is everyone calling me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so basically, I just like found the most legitimate program available, and then um, it's basically through the American Herbalist Guild, which is really fun to say. <laughs> um, but I found the most. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, like I found the most intimate program as well. So it was I was working one on one with a um, with an herbalist, and I looked at Dalton. I was like, "Can I do this? Like, is this possible? Like, is this just another fluke?" I was feeling so weird about it, and he was like, "No, this feels right." And I have the ex- like we had the exact amount in savings, and it just he like dropped his savings account on my education and it's kind of sprung from there. Like he just had so much faith in my ability to do this. And in like the, like the fact that it felt right for me. Um, and he was just like, I haven't seen you so excited in a really long time. So we, we definitely have to do this. And he was the person that like, um, so I finished my herbalist course, like right as I, I think it was right when I got pregnant actually. So it was a lot of things in, in a row just like manifesting everything that I wanted. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was wild. And then we started my business and I was like, I don't want to do this because I'm scared and like all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, we're going to do it. It's going to be great. Like I already bought the business books. Like we're going to start building your business right now. And we smoked a lot of hookah and built my business. Wow. That's really cool. It's almost like you got married to a Christian man and then all of a sudden flip the script and we're like, no, you're my help meet, bro. Yes. <laughs> Matriarchy. Hell yes. Matriarchy. For real though. Like there's so much. And that's that's another thing about like discovering my eightness is like I tried so hard to be like the like I get up and we read the Bible together and dinner's on the table at five. And there was one defining moment where Dalton was like, you know, you don't have to wake up with me every morning, right? I can like pour my own cereal. And then I never woke up for that man ever since. He lets me sleep. Bless him. You need it. Yeah. And that was just another, that's just another part too. Cause he's always like encouraged me to be like louder and be more, um, be more confident in my opinions. And I just didn't feel that way until I started like, like I discovered that I was an eight and what that means and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's real strange that, um, it, it feels like my entire narrative is like on its head now. Wow. So, Finally, um, as we wrap this up, um, I want to hear about like what being an Enneagram 8 looks for you today as a mom of a daughter now, as a, um, as a mom who's going to meet her new 
kid very soon, which is so exciting. Like, what does the um, what does being true and showing up as your whole self look like today? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about this a lot because I have 15 million things to say about it, but <laughs> I, it kind of makes me feel like a dragon because I have these babies to protect and I don't want to hoard them like a dragon hoards gold. Like I want to teach them how to fly and how to breathe fire and how how to be. Ugh. So in order for me to raise fearless women, I have to be a fearless woman. And it's <sighs> a lot. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. And like the um a lot of it has been deeply healing to me. Like when my three-year-old says no, something in me goes, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. But also like <laughs> also honoring the fact that I never got to say no my entire fucking childhood. So yeah, okay, well you don't have to if you don't want to. Right. You know? Right. Like, so it's this beautiful um as I raise them, I'm kind of raising my inner self. And like it's it's really cool. There are like dimensions going on in my brain right now. But mostly being an eight and being a mother makes me feel like a dragon. Because like there's so much that, like, you can't control as a mother. So instead of trying to control it the way that I did right. when I was, like, deeply disintegrated to five, like, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to read all of the books and have all of the information so that I could be in control and not be scared. And kind of now that I'm feeling like a more healthy eight, I'm, like, able to trust my gut like that's been a big um topic of conversation in our house is like that doesn't feel right to me so we're not going to do it and like my husband is awesome and my husband is awesome and he's just like okay well vibes don't lie and you always know better than I do <laughs> 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 um but like with I'm a big fan of this guy yeah I like Dalton he's a good one I think I'll keep him um but yeah, with keep him around. Yeah, yeah. With the with the girls, <laughs> it's so exciting and funny to say it plural. But like, we just want to raise such empowered people that it like forces us to kind of, for lack of a better term, like level up ourselves. Like, if we don't, if we don't ever want our children to feel slut shamed ever, we have to be as sex positive as possible. You know, like if we, like all of these things have completely changed our minds because we don't, we don't want our kids to live in fear or make decisions out of fear. And so, like that mama dragonness comes out in making sure that the way that I live my life and the way that I talk to myself is creating that atmosphere for them to flourish just as they are, you know? Like, like my, ol my oldest is very, um, very emotional and very demonstrative. She's 
a lot like her dad. And so instead of like, she and I will just look at each other sometimes and she'll be like, mommy, I love you. Like, That's the best thing in the world. But the other, but just now downstairs before our call, I was like, hey, are you good? And she goes, mommy, go upstairs. <gasps> she sent you away. She sent you away. I was like, Ex- I know. She's like, I play dinosaurs. You go upstairs. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> like, like, I guess you need some alone time. <laughs> but, like, I relish that because, like, I've created an environment where she feels safe enough to be a little sassy. And I like that. I love it. You know? So, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it absolutely does. Like, it just is made, like, it's made me. Yeah. It, Go ahead. <laughs> it's made. Um, I was just gonna say, like, you are you are resetting, like, you are resetting the pattern of having to grow up without agency and then like work so hard to find it as an adult. Like, they don't. That's not going to be their story. Yeah. Ugh, it makes me. So, it feels so nice to hear someone outside of my head say that because, <laughs> like. I even think about practical things like, um, like seeing a therapist, mm. like adv- like admitting that I need help. Yeah, because I I once had an eating disorder, and like it, my my sister in law actually was the person who brought it to my attention. She's like, "Hey, you might want to address that in yourself, so that Charlotte never sees you acting this way mm. about yourself, like so that she doesn't learn it, right? You right. know, and then that's." That, like, opened up my brain to, like, oh, fuck, my kid is watching me. (laughs) (laughs) She's literally, like, a parrot. But it's that whole... Yes. But it brings a whole level of, like, what true means. Mm. You know? It really does. Making your outer world fit your inner world. That's so beautiful. But, yeah. Um, Where can people find you if they want to hear your big opinions if they want to purchase your beautiful products, where would you like them to find you? Okay. Um, if you want to hear me be loud and, uh, like, unfiltered, <laughs> you could probably find me best on, uh, on Twitter. At <laughs> My handle is at PDXPestle. Um, that's also my Instagram handle. Um, and I have, like, a couple of Patreon things that I talk about on there, too. Um, but my website where you can purchase like my teas book a consultation with me all that kind of stuff is pdxpestle.com but yeah that's it and I mean I guess I could tell you my patreon stuff too so I have um a patreon where I talk about um like herbalism as medicine and then um basically like earth worship as a spiritual practice um and there are like different tiers of like what you can learn at and all that kind of stuff. And it that's a uh, Patreon backslash of the hearth, H E A R T H. Beautiful. Yeah, that's me. I love that so much. Um, Alyssa, thank you so much for taking this time to talk to me and to be my friend because you're adopted now. So. <laughs> thank you for having me on this is kind of like a dream come true honestly your work has obviously made a very big difference in my life that means so much to me is there anything like parting words that you would like to say to millenniagram listeners stay young go dancing i love that (laughs) i love that it's perfect 
Okay, that was a lot, um, but I believe in us. Um, I want to continue this conversation because I feel like we gave you some cool tidbits and now we need to go out into the world. We need to work this shit out. We need to see how it all plays into our lives, into our numbers, into our interactions with the people around us. So hit me up on Twitter at Hannah Posh, H-A-N-N-A-H-P-A-A-S-C-H. And let's talk about what respect and control look like in both our parenting relationships, in our reparenting relationships with our younger selves, and how that plays out. Hit me up. Let's keep the conversation rolling, folks. I'm excited. We out.